Hello everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to the Kill Connor Club podcast, episode 79. I'm one of your hosts, James, and I'm joined, as always, by Tyler. As always, how's it going, my friend? It's going pretty good. Pretty, pretty great. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. Good. That's fantastic. All right, and today we're joined by a very special guest, as you can see uh, by the title, uh, one I'm pretty excited for, um, and that guest would be Colin Moriarty. How's it going, Colin? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I appreciate the invite, and I'm sorry. Uh, you guys had actually asked me, I think, to do this once before, not too long ago, and I, I just spaced, so I'm glad we were able to make this work. <clears throat> no, it's all good. We were willing to wait as long as it took to get you on this podcast. So with a lot of people, we've been, had messages for, like, two years for people like can you guys get Colin on can you guys get Colin on we're like oh we don't know if we could get Colin on but (laughs) here we are so we appreciate you coming on the podcast Mm. oh no it's my pleasure so you do you guys you guys record remotely and then record your own own tracks or are you guys like in a studio together oh we've recorded remotely like James and I've done this show together for four years and we've never met in person yeah oh wow that's wild that's awesome yeah we yeah we we met well because we both started because this podcast started being like an Assassin's Creed podcast in the beginning. That's why it's named Kill Connor Club, Connor being the main character of Assassin's Creed 3, um, the American Revolution game. Yeah. And we got on a podcast together because we were both smaller channels. Like I think I had like less than 2,000 subs. James had like 4,000. And we did like this live stream before Assassin's Creed Unity. And then we just had, we had just chemistry. We had such a great time. And, you know, four years later and, you know, we've got two podcasts to get different shows together, a Patreon and everything. Like it's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, I've heard of um, more than a few groups meeting in this in a similar way. And I think that's kind of one of the wild revolutions of, of the internet. So it's awesome that you guys do that. I was just curious about the semantics because I can, I only record my podcast in person because I can barely figure out how to do that. So I don't. I, I'm always, I, so I'm. Always, I'm like the. I'm like so technologically ignorant that um, like a person asked me to do a, a podcast with them a couple of years ago, and they're like, "All right, you have to record on your end and stuff." I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, no, yeah. so so thanks for making it easy. I appreciate it. Yeah. No. You know, it, it is easy. Like we just record. I'll record this whole conversation because we've had times where. I don't record and just James records like whoever's in the chat and then his computer will crash and we lose the whole podcast. So for oh, something yeah. like this, we're both recording to make sure even if James crashed, like I've got the backup recording sort of thing. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, it's, it's good to be here with you guys and, uh, and, uh, it must be late where you are. So I appreciate you guys dealing with my schedule. Oh, it's, it's oh, James. Yeah. James is a little cool. late, but he, you're nocturnal, James. So. It's, it's only eleven though. Like we've done podcasts where it's been like you know four a.m. or whatever, and you know it's cool. This podcast is brought to you by the great people over at Patreon.com/slash. As always, so to thank a few of those people, we have King Richard the Third, Bullsack Forty Seven, T Man or Travis, Billy, the Team Titan, my Captain Robertson, Josh Devlier, Damien, Casey Wood, Mario Fifty Three Eighty, Lumistrad, Josh Jordan, Ollie the Dane, Ben or Moderox, the Humble Worm, Elstico Ninety One, Emil Cadbog, Austin, S Jaws, Gideon's Laser, Prudvy Mover, Julie, Adam Sundling, HBuzz Twelve, Saki Tits, Jason Las Medici, the ACMJS, James and Lad, Yazen, Joe the Sexy Boy Smith, Brian Ford, Connor DeRose, Ginger Nut Jared, Big Up Longhead, Fox George, Walford and Fox, Joshua Mora, Gene, Marcus Blackburn, Seth, Oscar, Ravjai, Son of a Bitch, OG Doggo, Brendan, or BQ Overlord, and Pick Flame 313. So if you like what you're listening to here and you want to hear more, just head over to patreon.com slash as always for $1. You can get exclusive podcast content over there. 
as well as, of course, normal access to a, every single Kill Connor Club we release to the public, including this one with Colin Moriarty. Yeah, well, I guess to start off with, Colin, it would be great, though we do have heaps of our audience that know exactly who you are, and we've talked about, about you and you know, Ruben and plenty of other people in the political space and gaming space um, on the podcast before, but just give others a bit of background of just who you are and, and Colin's last stand and everything like that. Yeah, uh, I'm Colin Moriarty. I, I, for 14 years, I think, no, 12 years, wrote for IGN, starting as a freelancer and intern and then rose all the way up to senior editor of the site. And uh, I left to found co-found Kind of Funny, which is a uh, popular YouTube channel and Twitch channel, and I did that for like two years and change. And then I kind of had a, a falling out with them over you know the nature of our content, kind of our direction, and and started CLS. So yeah, CLS is just this kind of amalgamation of whatever I want it to be. And I'm lucky enough to have like a really hardcore and passionate fan base that kind of lets me explore different things. And and so it's just, it's it's a pretty eclectic thing, and people are really enjoying it. And the newest, the newest podcast is Sacred Symbols, and people are, are like really digging in, and it's it's become really popular very quickly. So it's been a lot of fun, and yeah. So I, I love politics, I love games, I love you know entertainment and, and kind of social commentary. So it seems like it's right in your guys' wheelhouse. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Like is with this podcast and stuff we've done. Uh, we, I mean, to to me and James, like you, you're our like number one wanted guest because we you've influenced this show a lot in the sense of. You know, we were just into sort of gaming and stuff, and it was during the 2016 U.S. election. And I, you know, I live in Australia. James lives in the United Kingdom. Like, no, not really involved in the U.S. at all, especially with uh, politics. But it was so interesting for both of us. And when I was listening to sort of the kind of funny shows, and you would bring up sort of what's going on in the political race between Hillary and Trump, and that was the first sort of like, well, wow, this is actually interesting. Like, I always found politics boring. And then from there, when you left kind of funny and started Collins Last Stand, you know, we talked about that on this show and stuff, and, and it just, you know, pushed us a lot to then expand our horizons because of you, I was listening to Dave Rubin, and then I found, you know, Ben Shapiro and people like that that just sort of, like, made me see different perspectives, and I know James is, mm. is a lot the same. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, yeah I'm, so, I'm so pleased to hear that. I, I think that there's this kind of misconception about around gamers and kind of nerds that they're one-dimensional and that they only want or we only want to talk about video games and we only want to have, you know, fun, fun, fun and, you know, like talk about gameplay and talk, you know, and, and love everything and that's just not who I am and and I just feel like it does us a great disservice to pretend that that's who we are. I know that there are some people like that, but but gamers like anyone else are multidimensional and deep people that also like politics and also like sports and also like other things and I feel like no one's really talking to them about, like talking to them on their level almost, you know? It's yeah. it's it's yeah. all like celebratory nonsense a, a lot of it and like shows that where no one has an opinion and no one dislikes anything or no one wants to make a stand and I don't know I'm glad I mean you know it's not like my stuff's humongous and gigantic and super popular but it's it, I've carved out a niche because I sound different and I think that people are kind of um, losing you know sight of the fact that there are lots of people that want more you know and so I'm glad that you guys are providing that too. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like Tyler was saying, I think that, I mean, a lot of our direction with not just the podcast, but with, you know, plenty of other things was a lot of, um, I mean, what you were doing when you were the kind of funny and then obviously with Colin's Last Stand, um, I think that sort of direction of, like you were saying, like a lot of people do just see sort of the, the gaming community as like one dimensional and just sort of, you know, just being like, oh yeah, gaming and all of this stuff. And I think 
uh, what we do on Kill Connor Club and as always sort of allows the people that we've brought into our community through the main thing being gaming to just sort of access these other things that we do talk about like being whether it's like politics or sports or you know whatever else it might be you know those people can enjoy that and I feel like it, it breeds a better community like a more real community than I mean you know people might enjoy you know whatever else but I think it sort of does, it can breed a more, you know, genuine community between people when you sort of allow that sort of, you know, variety and, you know, that that sort of access for people, I think. Uh, yeah, certainly. And I, I think that, you know, it alienates people, some people, it, it, but I, I honestly, mm -hmm. and I don't, you know, I, I always kind of speak from, from the heart. Like, I think it only, or usually only alienates kind of like small-minded or weak-minded people that don't want to hear about mm. another person's point of view or a different perspective or have some texture and depth. And we're seeing a lot of that with the announcement, which is my episode of SideQuest, my YouTube show that I'm doing on Monday, is going to be about The Escapist and the announcement that they made about um, being kind of an apolitical outlet and how that's such a major disservice to to the art form of video games and the way we talk about and, and consume and think about video games and that a lot of this is the fault of a kind of monoculture in gaming that has just shoved one point of view down people's throats for so long that they'd rather mm -hmm. hear nothing than hear just that anymore. And I think that like people need to expand their minds and open their minds. If you're alienated because someone is speaking from the heart about something else and you might not agree with them, then you need to like kind of open up a little bit and realize that you don't have to agree with everyone or embrace everyone to, to um, you know, it's a little more worldly this way, don't you think? Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It, yeah, and for sure, especially in gaming, I, I think because I know for for myself and James who are, you know, we're being, you know, kind of right-leaning, conservative-leaning, politically speaking, in the gaming world, it's already a pretty lonely sort of feeling. Like, we've got lots of people that listen to us that are like that as well, but when we have interactions with, you know, channels our size and, and reach our size, which isn't big, but like you said, we, ha you know, you have your own little sort of uh, carved out area. And when it comes to like companies that we're, that make games and stuff, I know we feel alienated a lot with just talking to people and people wanting to talk to us with that people get certain guests not allowed on the podcast because of who we are. Yeah. It's, it's, I said it many times. I was going on on on, on Twitter yesterday too. That, you know, I, it's not for me to out people, but people would be really surprised if if I just started listing names of people who hold conservative viewpoints or are or are Republican or you know just right leaning or pro life or whatever the case might be. It's just it's such an unwelcoming. The gaming industry is becoming such an unwelcoming place for ideas and conversation, and it's not the fault of game devs. It's the fault of the media, mm. and so it's it's little outlets like you and I. You know, I don't do like crazy views either. I think you guys have more Twitter subs than I do. It's or I'm sorry, more uh, YouTube subs than I do. It's the fact that like it, you know, it, people are running away. It, <laughs> I was talking to someone about this recently. It's like when the automobile came about and people were still using horse drawn carriages, they weren't drawn to the automobile because it was new. They were drawn to the automobile because it was better. And people are leaving, you know, these websites for YouTube and Twitch, not because it's a new thing, but because it's better. You know, they'd rather listen to podcasts and real people on Twitch channels and real people YouTubing and telling them what they think without corporate and personal connections that create massive conflicts of interest, etc. It, it, that's why, you know, I really do feel like our side is actually winning. And I think that the reaction to the escapist being apolitical, not even not even coming out <laughs> saying they're right wing, but literally saying coming out and saying they don't want to be political. That being that being looked at as a political stance tells you everything you need to know 
about a decaying portion of the industry that is scared that they are losing. And it's because of honest conversations happening on, on outlets like this. So again, like I think, I think it's great. I, and I, I think that it's, it, it sows a lot of um, division amongst the games media, but I think that players themselves like this and that's why you're finding an audience. You know? Yeah. I think th- speaking of on what you're saying, I, and maybe this is getting too too deep, too quick, maybe on this podcast. But I've started to notice that I, you know, I felt that way, especially not even in just gaming, but in general, with the, so many great free thinkers out there and the the you know intellectual dark web, I guess, and, and all those those sort of things. That free thought is you know winning, though. There's lots of outrage culture still there and everything like that. But sometimes, and even maybe with this uh, James Gunn stuff, it's like, are now both sides playing by these dirty rules? Is it really, a, is the right or the conservative or that sort of like, is everyone going to fight this fight with these sorts of, you know, I guess, shitty ways of going about it? I, I don't know how, how to articulate it better than that, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah, I think that it's... The James Gunn situation. First of all, I don't think James Gunn should have been fired for his for his comedy. No, um, no. And and I think that I also came to the defense. Uh, I don't know how big it was in in your guys' parts of the world, but you know when Kathy Griffin with her you know decapitating Trump kind of art set that she did, and um, Bill Maher kind of using some untoward language in, descri- in describing something. If I recall, I think that's what it was, and other things. It's like people are just going after people, and like maybe people need to back up and not have this like witch hunt mentality with the ultimate worst possible outcome for people because they misspeak or they make a mistake or you kind of impugn who they are based on these kinds of things and and it was and i i said it and it got thousands of retweets and thousands of favorites it's it's hysterical to me watching these same these same people it's not the same group of people or similar people or a similar thing these same people that tried to ruin my life that tried to steal my livelihood and destroy my reputation because I told a joke about my girlfriend talking too much, are the same people defending James Gunn because he told on orders of magnitude worse jokes than I've ever said. And they are now they're now scared, you know, and, and afraid that the shoe's on the other foot. It's like, well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And the hardest yeah. thing I was mm-hmm. I went out with uh, I went out with a friend of mine a few days ago and we were talking about it and I'm like, the hardest thing for me in this situation is not to like is not to have a revenge mentality. And yeah, it's something that I'm like, yeah, it's something sure. that I'm super cognizant of. And I'm like, when I saw that James Gunn thing, the first thing I was the, honest to God, I mean, the first thing I thought of was like, good, fuck you, you yeah. know, <laughs> and fuck everyone and fuck everyone that's upset about this, you know, because, you know, I look at what they did to my life over something that was so innocuous and so clearly a political hit. And now they have to deal with the repercussions of the tone they set. But mm. I don't think that that I don't think that the right choice is and the right the right move for us is to be is to escalate. I think this is a great opportunity for us to de-escalate that situation. But you cannot ignore the rampant hypocrisy based solely on politics and solely on rule sets that are different depending on who you are. They have no problem destroying my reputation. I have to deal with that for the rest of my life. You know? Like, yeah. Like the, 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 I hate when people call me a professional victim and stuff like that. And I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about, no idea what I went through and go through on a daily basis. Go Google my name sometimes and see how much and see how accurate those things are compared to what you know about me. You know, and I have to deal with that and I have to explain that away every day when I move into a new building or, you know, go, you know, I, I moved into this place in Santa Monica last year. I, you know, this is a, I live in a nice building with a concierge. I'm sure they've looked me up. What do they think? 
they're, they're, like these are the kinds of things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. And this is these are the rules that the other side set, but we have to be bigger than them. You know, we have to. Like yeah, I completely agree. And when the James Gunn stuff happened, like my first thought as well was, you know, I haven't gone through even close or anything like you've gone through. But I just mean, I thought to myself, as seeing all the you know people on the other side of politics get attacked, and they fucking the left fucking love it, love it when it's the person they want to take the hit on, and then seeing people get upset and people defend him, and I was like. Yeah, but you made the rules. You made the rules. We're just like, everyone else is just now playing by your fucked up rules that you've made. And, but then part of me was also like, especially selfishly, because I'm a massive Marvel fan. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Selfishly, I'm like, can he please just direct Guardians though? Can, can he finish that off first? But it's just... Yeah, well, well, that's the ironic thing about it is that, and, and this is like why nerd culture is so insufferable sometimes, is because that's why a lot of people were upset. It's like, and that's why we have to have conversations that are deeper than the base product, right? Like, that's why it's important for us to explore the texture and the contours of the different issues that we face to make it more about than just, you know, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but it's just a great example. Like, there definitely were people that were just upset because they weren't going to get the same Guardians 3 that they thought, or whatever it was, I don't watch these movies, that they thought that they were going to yeah. get, you know? And I'm like, that's fucking lame. Who cares? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like this is, this is, a, this is a, a major pillar of the culture war we're talking about. And that's why we have to have disparate conversations and conversations that conflict with each other and make us think and make us disagree and you know get underneath the surface and beneath the soil where the roots are to understand what what's going on and why why it's happening and and you know it's it's no you know people say that it's people can conflict um on what i say about mainstream games media where they're like well if there was a root if there was a market for it then there would it would be there and it would exist but my argument to that is it, it, exi it exists almost wholesale on the bigger platforms like YouTube and Twitch and podcasting, and they're having those conversations. They're just being ignored by the people that are actually in positions of power. So it's a yeah. complicated and sort of serpentine sort of thing we're dealing with. And I'll just reiterate that I think that, like, I said the same thing about Jessica Price. I made an entire video about it, you know, like two days after it happened with uh, she was the one from ArenaNet that got fired for, for the uh, her discussion with uh a, you know, a player of Guild Wars online and got fired. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, why are we doing this to people? Like, what? It wasn't like this. I've been in this industry for a long time. It's not always been like this. And someone's got to do something about it. You know? yeah, yeah. And I think, like you said, we've got to be bigger. We're and that's why last week, James, you, you and I spent last week, because we, we've defended when everything happened with you, Colin, last year, last March or whenever it was. We spent podcasts talking about it, you know, and and defending mm. defending you because it was the right thing to do. And we spent, even though it's like you said, the shoes on the other foot with this James Gunn stuff. But like you said, we've got to be the bigger people, and we were trying to be consistent. We went through for like forty five minutes. We went through every tweet they'd brought up, and we're like, well, honestly, James, how many different contexts did we come up with for these tweets that oh, weren't good bad? Good good few like there was obviously ways you can obviously take i mean you can take anything and you can you can be like oh this is a terrible thing he's a terrible person or when it's out of context but obviously you can take it and be like well it could also be in this context or this context and it completely changes what it means and i think that just goes to show you know like you can't just from just from looking at the tweets you can't possibly know you know wh where you stand or where, where he stands when he you know put those tweets out to know exactly what they mean and i think I think it's very strange because I think a lot of people 
are jumping to either side to be like, oh, he's a terrible person, or defending him and being like, no, you know, whatever, this, that, whatever. And you, I don't think you can know either side, to be honest, obviously, like, without context. Um, and it is just then based on politics. But like Tyler said, we were trying to be as consistent as we could. We defended you um, after all the, all the all the shit happened, and um, we tried to see, like, you know, both sides of it with the James Gunn stuff as well, rather than just sort of you know, trying to be like, oh, well, you know, the left started it, so they can just take it and we'll just jump on the bandwagon sort of thing. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the other thing that you guys are touching on that's interesting underneath the surface, like we were saying, is that a person's a person's now being impugned by their political views as if morality is necessarily tied into how they mm. vote. And I just don't be- I just don't believe that. Like, I, 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 I'm not so like my personal opinion, I'm pro-choice, for instance. But my mm-hmm. personal opinion is that, like, I don't know that you should necessarily be thinking you're taking the moral position by being pro-choice. I'm, I actually think the pro-life position is a pretty moral and righteous position. And not 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 that I believe in that. I used to be pro-life. But the point is, is that if you come out and say that you're an evil Trump voting, Republican, gun toting Neanderthal. And like it's almost as if they have a monopoly on how on, on righteousness, monopoly on morality, monopoly on virtue. And it's just it dehumanizes people. And I'm not interested Mm. in playing that game, particularly because I know people who voted for Donald Trump, which I'm sure you guys probably don't because you're not you're not American, you know. And the ironic thing is that the ironic thing is is that so do these people, you know, what, 55 Mm. million people voted for him. You don't know any of them. Yeah, you don't know. Mm. You don't know one of them. You don't care about any of them. You know, it's it's you guys said you were listening to kind of funny before the election. And I railed about this and I called it, you know, like I, I, I thought he was going to lose. But I was like, this is a this, these people, you know, are rallying around kind of a, a cause that they feel is important to them. And instead of dehumanizing them, why don't you just listen to them? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and not think that you have the answers and not think that you're better than 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 and holier than and and all of those kinds of things. It's disgusting. It puts me off. It puts a lot of people off. And it's no wonder that so many people are alienated from games media and games coverage and entertainment coverage and movies coverage and whatever. And it's no wonder that all those websites for the most part are dying. You know, it's not like people kind of ignore that, that, that part, you know, Univision bought Kotaku and all, and all of its family sites last year and is already looking to unload them after laying off a bunch of them. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like it's a good scene. And so I understand why they're scared, but maybe they should kind of reap what they sow or they are reaping what they sow. And you know what? I, I, I think that welcoming new voices and different voices into the fold would go a long way to legitimizing them amongst the audiences again. And, you know, going back to what I said earlier, I, 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 it's not, I don't mean it to, be, to sound arrogant. I know it does to some people, but there wasn't a market for conservative writing or different voices. I was the biggest writer on the biggest web gaming website in the world saying exactly these things that I'm saying now. So there is a market for it. It's just mm-hmm. that we are, we, we are thrown, we've been thrown away and acted like we don't exist anymore. And and I think, you know, just like you guys, you guys feel alienated. Of course you do. You think you're, you're the only ones, you know, there are millions of us. Millions. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Millions yeah. and millions and millions. And we need a we want to we like games, too. We have families that we love. We work jobs and we do the right thing. And we live in a society. We live, you know, do our best in society and do our, our best by our loved ones and all those kinds of things. And we're treated like we're second class citizens mm. just because we just because we think the government should be small. Just because we think we should have the right to tell a joke or or speak freely, associate with people. I was just telling someone yesterday, the reason I don't like tweets uh, on Twitter is because I'm afraid that I'm going to be – someone's going to take a, a like out of um, 
out of context because of my association with someone. That's a pretty yeah. shitty world to live in. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. And even just like, because uh, Twitter for me is a bit more of a private thing. Like I don't, in my you know private life, most people don't know what I do at all with YouTube or anything. Like my, most of my all my close friends don't have a YouTube channel, but none of them watch it because I don't. None of my friends are gamers, really. Like none of my friends play games like that. So, or even into politics or anything like that. So I don't really talk about that stuff. So I'd be like, I don't really tell people. And, and this is even I want to bring up to to that point of, you know, everyone's morality is like associated with their political views. You know, I was raised. My parents said, "Don't talk about religion or politics with your friends," and that used to be a thing. Like, what happened to that? It's like these days, it's like, no, no, you have to talk about religion and politics because I have to know whether I want to be friends with you or not. Yeah. It's so fucking weird. It's, What's it's, 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 it's truly bizarre and it's it's destructive. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just completely destructive and where we've it's where we've gotten in this world is frankly mostly because of one side's reaction to the other side and that's it that's it i'm not, I'm not going to act like this is this is there's like a, there's equity here between the two sides and everyone's to blame like what both sides have these really terrible extremes these really awful extremes that we should lop off and ignore there's no doubt about it the alt-right a terrible and destructive and frankly inherently violent racist misogynist movement that we should want no part of so, too, is this far left that is insane in their own right. And I have no problem equating them because I hate them both. I, they can have each other as far as I'm concerned. But otherwise, there are just totally normal people that realize that liberalism has been bastardized, that realize that conservatism has been bastardized, that realize that there are third, fourth, and fifth ways forward, that you don't have to have this monoculture and this echo chamber that exists only to kind of you know, prop up certain people, prop up their popularity, prop up their ability to make a living and have a voice and put other people down and destroy everyone else in their wake. It's not happening anymore. I'm, I'm one of the people, I said it on Ruben, I scored our side a win. And I expect, and I expect other people to do the same. You know, like mm -hmm. I expect other people to stand up and you guys are doing it and other people are doing it because we really can win and we really can. And winning is not doing anything to the other side. Winning is convincing the other side that we belong in this space. You know, yeah. that's it. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And it's easy to do. Just be be a nice, decent human being uh, to everybody. And I, and I think the thing is consistency, because I I hate seeing it where I've got these people that I follow that I you know I respect um, on let's say the you know the conservative side or at least on the the free free thought free speech side that you know traditional liberals like you know Dave Rubin's not really conservative as much as he's a traditional liberal, and but then there might be other people that you know not not saying Dave Rubin but like. That are these people that I respect and follow that then do the same thing the left is doing to the right, and I'm like, well, the, you can't go tit for tat. That's not going to do anything. Hmm. Like, I just, I just don't. I, yeah, some people just aren't consistent. And well, if you're getting upset when someone does it to a conservative, you, you, you've got to be upset both sides, or you've got to be not upset both sides. You know, you can't say, oh, it happened to the left, it happened to the right, so great, or that's not good, sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, very well, very well said. I, I, I totally agree with you in the sense that the reason that I never use the term, we know what a snowflake is, right? We know what an SJW is and all those sure. kind of things. The reason that mm. I don't use those terms is because I'm like, but you guys act like this too. Yes. You guys, you mm. guys are also identity poli uh, identitarians. You're also act like, you know, like frail, you know, dying roses when, some, when someone says something. You're acting exactly the way they act. We all act that way sometimes. That's why you don't use words like that because it's so. It was so obvious the first time I heard those terms. It was like it, when I first heard the term snowflake. I'm like, there's no way I'm using that term, like <laughs> there, it, because 
because it's so it could be so easily turned around on you and like what is the what is the point you're just proving that you're not you're, you're you're not rising above you're just you're stooping down in their level and so you're exactly right like we have to we have to just get to a point of decency and respect and the good news from for the both extremes is that they're just they're actually finding themselves more and more alienated as time goes on too because they're just being outed simply by their behavior and you know it's painful to to me to be called these certain names and it, it really annoys me it really ruins my day sometimes you know i mm. it sucks to be it sucks <clears throat> to be categorized in such specific ways by people and this runaway kind of narrative about you exists that's just not true and you know how does it feel to be called a racist when my best friend is hispanic how do you think that makes him feel you know yeah and how do you think that makes him and how do you think that makes me feel you know when he sees that and it hurts him too you know i remember um I think I've told the story. My my buddy Charles, who's this black guy that I went to high school with, I went to a pretty a, a very um, like racially diverse high school on Long Island, and he saw that article about me that was written after I left, it, calling me a racist on the International Business Times, and he's like, "What the fuck is this? When no one no one that knows you would ever say this about you, you know? Like, you know, he was like, mm. I didn't know that you were racist when we used to cut class for years and go play basketball and." you know, sneak out to go to McDonald's and hang out at each other's houses. I didn't know that you were racist then. My, my, my best friend, again, my best friend, Ramon, who's Hispanic, he, it would be mystifying to him too. So if it's mystifying to people that know me, then why, why are people just allowed to just have their own narratives? And it's, it's, that's, that's a painful thing, not only for the, for the target, but painful for the people like my family and friends that also know me and it really hurts them, you know? And so I'm eager to, not only kind of cool down tensions between everybody, but also to do it not only for the, the participants and the combatants, as it were, but for the kind of the, the people parallel to the, the other people that, that know better and, and, and don't want their loved ones dragged through the muck like this. It's just, it's wrong. It's the same thing when people tell me that because I'm a conservative, I hate poor and, and, and disadvantaged people. When I give lots of money to charity, I gave $5,000 of my own money to students last year to something buy books. But yeah, I hate I hate underprivileged people. You're right. You know how much did you how much did you fucking give last year to these people? You know it's that's the kind of thing that like yeah. I'm I'm talking about. It's not rooted in reality, and it's defamatory, and it's wrong. And yeah. everyone's doing it, and everyone is wrong. <laughs> yeah. But with the internet, like everyone's gonna everyone's gonna sort of keep doing it. Like there's 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 nothing you can like actually do about it in, in a sense. So I, I guess. Because I did want to ask you about this, with with so because you deal with this on a day to day basis, do you think there's a bet like a way to deal with it, or do you think maybe because it, it obviously does affect you a lot with you know when you'll have like whether it's like a Twitter argument like yesterday you had a, like a bit of a discussion that was just really kind of messed up um, with these people saying things about you that just weren't true and and taking things out of context, all this sort of stuff, but. Do you think there's a better way you can deal with it to, so it doesn't affect you as much? It's. I'm going to talk a little bit about this on SideQuest and on Sacred Symbols next week, but I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit here too because I want to hear what Chris, my co-host, has to say about this as well. But um, I am torn, and I think that the people around me are equally torn about what I should do because when I when I go and try to fight the good fight for us i know that i alienate some people and that's fine you, you got you got to deal with that but i also know that when i back off i get messages from people both, both privately and publicly being like why are you why aren't you fighting harder for us you're one of the only people that is even willing to acknowledge our existence you know and treat us like we're human beings and i am really caught in between because 
<clears throat> I am subjecting myself to such harassment and such defamatory things and such really inhumane and terrible treatment, frankly, that you kind of have to worry, like wonder about like where, when, when does self-preservation kick in? And I was having a very candid conversation with my girlfriend last night where I was like, I'm in a really interesting situation where two things are true at the same time. Like, and actually multiple things are true at the same time. Like I have found great success doing what I do and I've found a voice and, and I've given voice to some voiceless people and, and encouraged them to do the right thing and to act normally and to be decent and to have hard conversations. But at the same time, doing it has made me, ha has given me such emotional and spiritual and, you know, kind of whatever trauma that it's like, when do you kind of, when do you let it make you so miserable that you don't just back off and stop doing it and stop subjecting yourself to it? If no one else is going to fight the fight with you or if, if you're losing or whatever the case might be, when do you kind of take care of yourself? You know, and I don't know, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I just feel like I'm, I feel like I'd be a coward if I, um, if I didn't fight the good fight based on what I believe in. And you can say a lot of things about me that I'm brash and all these kinds of things. And that's true. But I, I have, I am deeply honor bound and I believe that you have to do the right thing, even if it hurts you sometimes. And, that's kind of what I'm up against right now in my own mind. It's, it's, it, can, it can be a sad, lonely thing. It, it really does take me out of commission sometimes. I guess that's what I wanted to kind of get to was, was kind of, I guess, how you were thinking about it. But to understand that in a way you may not like, for example, you know, James and I share a space we, and we have our own community. We have a bunch of other YouTubers we're really close with and we deal with similar things. Like we'll have arguments with people that say shit to us and think we're this and that. And we, you know, we have each other's backs. So I never really feel like, you know, occasionally there'll, there'll be some massive Twitter beef and I'll wake up in the morning. I'll check my phone and realize something's happened. And I'll be like, and I'm so stressed out. I'm like, Oh God, this is the worst. But I find it best, and, and honestly, from what you said with people messaging you when you're not fighting back, honestly, fighting these morons half the time, or even I'd say 95% of the time, is a waste. It's a waste on you and your energy. It's a waste on your mentality. It's a waste. And if there's people out there that are messaging you, why aren't you fighting them? Why don't you do something? Like, that's, that's, and I get that they're in a gaming industry and it's tough for them, but it's, it's just, to me, it's like, do you want me to like go down and like die for this for when you're not even willing to speak up or even willing to to have my back publicly and and yeah, it's it's, cause it's, you're totally, not, it's you're, totally you're not alone in that man like yeah you you've influenced people like us and we're fighting it in our corner and, and it's not you know exactly right beside you but we're doing you're influencing other people and there's sure there's other people i don't know heaps out there that are doing the same thing and it's like you're not alone in this, so you don't always have to fight and break yourself down mentally for it. You don't need to do it. Yeah, I think no, you're right. I think that it's no. I, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. My girlfriend says the same thing too. Like I, you know, I get so sad sometimes and so worked up and so bummed out and so kind of exacerbated that I take a lot of my my shit out on her. You know, and it's yeah. it's not mm. fair. You know, like it's not when she just wants to talk to me and I'm like, what do you want? You know, like, but she doesn't know what's going on here. And she didn't do anything to deserve that. And, and that's what I'm trying to say. Like, all of this is hurting more the people in proximity to me, whether passively or actively, than even hurting me personally. And that's, that is a problem, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's one that I've like really tried to be cognizant of. I am far from perfect. Like any, anyone will tell you that, but I really am trying to do the right thing 
and it's it's sad to it's just I, I hear you man like I am an anxious I am a ball of stress like I really am you know I do my very best every day to, to, to entertain and to inform and to deliver and to do all those things but it's also a very lonely world and it's a very um, it's a very exacerbating like I was saying earlier very exacerbating situation to be in I wake up with a, my, my with a knot in my stomach every day because I'm like what you know, what innocuous thing that I say that's going to be twisted into something today? Who's going to call me a racist today? What t- 10 thread or 10 page thread on Reset Era is going to tell me that I'm a Nazi? Um, who's going to drop support for Collins Last Stand on Patreon because of what they heard, even though it's not true? Who's, you know, it's, it, it never ends. And it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a very tough world that we found ourselves in. And I'll reiterate that it's just not, it wasn't always like this. There are a lot of people that have come lately to this, but it has not always been like this, you know? And, and that's the saddest part of all, is the coverage is getting worse and the environment is getting worse. So, like, what is the point? If one was getting better or the other was getting better, then maybe we can deal with it, right? But, like, mm. if, if, the rea- if, if everyone's becoming a reactionary of trying to fight everyone else, it's bringing down the entire art and it's bringing down, our, like I said earlier, our, our ability to have reasonable and constructive dialogue with one another. But it affects me on a personal level. I very rarely ever talk about it. I think you guys are really the first person people I've ever really talked to about it. You know, it, it does affect me. And mm. it's... And it's and it is, um, it is unfortunate, but I just, and I put my, I do it to myself. Like you guys are saying, I do it to myself, but like, I feel like if I don't swing for the fences, what, where, when and where I can, then, then, you know, uh, I'm, I'm letting people down, you know, and I am, and and, and it's, it's, I think they're letting letting you down more than anything, to be honest. I don't think you're letting anyone down by not always fighting. I think they're letting you down by putting that pressure on you that's making your, you you just said, your life, you wake up every day with a knot in your stomach. That's messed up. Like, you don't need that in your life. Mm. Your personal life is the most important thing. And you can't let idiots that are faceless and you'll never meet or talk to in your life, like, change that for you. Because some people in the conservative world in gaming can't say anything publicly. Like that's not yeah they, fair. yeah yeah it's it's not even that, that that's the thing that frustrates me the most and I think that's the thing that frustrates me the most about people that know me and people that know like you know I, I'm I'm very candid with what I know and what I learn with people that I trust and there's a lot of cowardice amongst you know frankly amongst like-minded people in positions of power in our industry there just is you know why mm. why why am I always the one and a few other people even you know you know uh, John Bain rest in peace and other people that would fight mm. the good fight like why are we the ones that have to t- to say things and take the brunt so you guys can support us behind the scenes and say nice things to me at E3 or or you know fill my DMs with or my text mm-hmm. messages with really nice things and I we you know um but you won't ever say anything publicly because it, it, it is deeply coward like I am not a coward I, I don't yeah. think anyone can possibly say that about me you know like I've put it all on the line to say what I believe. But guys, the ironic thing about it is that what I'm saying is not even extreme. And that's the important thing to like not lose sight of. I'm not I understand why you might be offended by a Richard Spencer. I get that. He's of a course. fucking lunatic moron, you know, mm. with horrible ideas. But why am I being conflated with that? What have I ever said that conflates with that? You know? Mm. And so part of you is like you stay silent, they're going to do it to you anyway. If you're loud, at least there are people that are curious enough to know, like, wow, this isn't true. You know? My friend, um, Jules Watson, who I don't know if you guys know who that is, but uh, he is an indie developer who lives in Texas. He makes um, the Mutant Mud games on Switch, and he's, like, basically a Nintendo indie dev. And um, he was on my show, Fireside Chats, a few weeks ago, and then he tweeted out a link to it yesterday, and someone tweeted at him and was like, 
were you aware of Colin's politics before you did the show? Because I don't want to give him a click. And he was basically like, what are you talking about? You know, like, what are you talking about? And there's just not enough people standing up and saying that. You know what I mean? Like when when Brandon Jones uh, from Easy Allies came on my show last 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 uh, year for Fireside Chats and the whole hullabaloo that surrounded that was just mystifying to me, you know, and and it's just like it's it's just it almost makes you wonder, like, why do you even talk or say anything at all? Because people are just going to say whatever they want anyway. They're just going to pretend that you said something else anyway. Yeah. But that's so it is, that's it is, exactly it is that's tough. exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like why why yeah, let it affect your life. Like my, maybe you know, I, and I think James and I feel the same way. Like neither of us are cowards at all, and that's why we both, you know, have a, in a lot of ways the connection that we do with with the podcast and we've been through a lot of shit together, James. Like mm. and and dramas. Yeah. It's 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 crazy, but I've always told James and I have had many arguments and on podcast arguments about, cause I'll tell him like, dude, why are you letting this affect your life? Like, why do you care? Why do you always reply to these people and fight these people and put yourself in these dramas? Like it's not worth it. Fuck those people. They don't, they're not going to listen to you anyway. And it never gets anywhere. No matter how much you try it, it's never going to get anywhere. Mm, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But like, the, yeah. I think, I think the reason, I mean, I think I can, I can relate sort of, to what Colin was saying was I think whenever I see things on Twitter that are belittling other people's views like I mean I've seen a bunch of like people especially around the time with the um the whole drama that happened with you Colin was people on Twitter like talking shit about other people without really knowing who they are and just saying like you know even if like they're not extreme views like they're just different views and people you know will will lose their shit over him there'll be these threads and these you know these Twitter things with people ripping into people and like um, you know just just sort of completely you know saying these these ridiculous things about people that I know aren't true and other people obviously would know aren't true and it's just all this ridiculous shit trying to ruin people and I feel like I have to defend it because I can't see anything in the replies I'm like all of these people are just agreeing with each other and it's all just complete bullshit and I'm like I I kind of just I just have to say something and sort of in that moment I'll do it and maybe maybe sometimes I'll look back on it later and be like oh, I could have left that or you know maybe there was just no need um but I just feel like there's not enough people fighting for you know people like us that we believe like the things that we sort of uh, believe in that I'm just kind of like well I might as well you know pitch in and just you know just sort of fight back I guess I guess um, it's just picking the the hill to die on though. Yeah, sometimes. Because yeah, exactly. sometimes I'll see you tweet James and I'm like, dude, this it's not your hill to die on. Like there's a lot and like yeah, yeah. anything and then when you've had your dramas, James, you know, I've I've always anyone that says shit about you that I know is not true, you know, that that pisses me off and that's, you know, a personal thing to me. So I'll you know, defend you at the end. And James, you and I, when Colin was going through his stuff, we got into arguments with Ubisoft developers on Twitter and friends of ours. Like, you're a moron. Like, you don't know who this guy is. Like, mm. that stuff, that that's worth it to me. But then there's some things that are pointless, like randomly, you know, in the day about a video game, that then somehow, somehow an argument about Assassin's Creed Odyssey becomes <laughs> political in Twitter, and then people oh, are calling God. each other pieces of shit and hate each other. And I was like, how is that worth it? 
you know? Yeah, so I don't it's, know, it's, man. Just, it's just about picking. It's not about not fighting. It's just about, I think, picking the battles. I think it's knowing when to leave as well. Knowing when to be like, okay, this is, we're not getting anywhere. It's time to leave. But sometimes it's like, well, they've tweeted me. Now I have something to say back and then they'll do the same and it goes on forever. And really, there should be a point when you're like, yeah. I mean, looking back on a lot of things that have happened on Twitter, I'm like, yeah, probably, maybe I could have stepped away there and just ignored that because it's not worth it at that point. But in the t at the moment, you're like, no, I really should say something back, I guess. Especially, like, I mean, obviously, if it's, like, an argument about video games, like, obviously, who cares? But when it gets political and when people are, you know, saying shit to me, like, oh, you must think this because you said this, and it's like, well, no, that's not true. Like, wh where are you getting that yeah. from? And that's when I'm kind of like, well, I need to, you know, be like, no, you're wrong. Even if I guess it doesn't really matter what they think. I don't know. Yeah. I think it just shows that there's, like, a deeper texture to everything in terms of, you know... What is right for you personally, what is right for you perhaps professionally or financially, what is right for you in terms of your pride and your honor and what's doing what's right. And it's all, it's, it's very hard to balance those things. A lot of people come mm -hmm. to me and say, like, what do you have to be upset about? You make all this money and you're, you're more successful financially and professionally than you've ever been. And I'm like, I'll tell you, like, that's that's true. But, like, you know, it, it came at a significant cost, you know. Yeah. And, and um, I don't know that, you know, I don't know that it was or is what's worth it. I don't know what's worth it. I'm, I'm figuring it out as I go along. I'm learning and I make mistakes constantly. And I find myself in situations all the time where I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I am mentally weak in that way. There's no doubt about that. I have very little restraint sometimes when I feel like there's, um, there's a, there's something wrong, but it, but it, it, it cuts both ways because that was a, that was an asset and a tool that people were happy to use when I was around them at IGN and kind of funny, frankly, that, you know, I would always go to the mat for Greg, you know, if people looked at Greg the wrong way in front mm -hmm. of me, it would be a problem for them, you know? And, and so I, I guess I was just expecting to be treated similarly by people that once called me friend and some people that have jobs and got their first gigs because of me mm -hmm. and were on my podcasts and were elevated because of my work and, and uh, us including them in podcast beyond or PS I love you were kind of funny or whatever the case might be. But you know, I'll tell you what loyalty is certainly dead. And I learned that. And the people that like, you know, the, the, the Ryan McCaffrey's and the Damon Hatfields and the Parrish Schneiders and all these guys that stood by me vociferously throughout everything are the, are the real champions <laughs> and the real heroes that put themselves out there. And the real cowards are the ones that like hid behind the mob and talk shit when months before they were in my house drinking my bourbon or I brought them to dinner or I, you know, traveled with them or they slept on my couch because they had nowhere to be or whatever. I could go on and on and on and on about that shit, you know, but it is ultimately, it's just petty at the end of the day. It, it just this, is. Yeah. This, this might be a question you don't want to answer and that's cool, but I guess in terms of the kind of funny stuff, like you went, you went back on the last, the last thing I've ever watched of kind of funny was your last game of a Greggy show. And you went back on, and it seemed all good, like, in that sense. But was there, I mean, obviously, there was more to it that was just seemed like that went unsaid. Do you feel, do you, are you happy that you kind of left it and you, you, you know, you went by the stance of, you know, if they're not around, I'm not going to talk about them if we're not in the same room together sort of thing publicly um, for them to defend themselves or whatever? Or do you wish you'd been a bit more maybe, I don't know, open about that stuff? I don't, uh, it's, it's hard, man, because like that was, I was in, I was in it. You know what I mean? Like it was, I barely remember any of that. Like, yeah. like I, I, I barely, I remember tweeting the joke because I was laying in bed with Aaron. My girlfriend's an ER nurse. So she works like really weird hours and she was coming home as I was getting up 
Um, and I, I remember that. And I remember tweeting it out, taking a shower, getting into an Uber and going to work and not knowing that anything was really happening. You know, like that I was like that, you know, it was the beginning of the end for me with um, with this, that chapter in my life. And mm. there was a lot of it's hard to explain. Like I, 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 I there, depending on who you're talking about there, there's either it was either fine or incredible amounts of animosity building up between us, depending on who you're talking about, you know? And, um, and I felt kind of edged out of my own company in a way. And I, and I walked away from, I walked away from it because I thought it was the right thing to do. And, um, Mm. you know, actually uh, Polygon's writing a big story apparently on Greg and they interviewed me for it. And I told them that, um, I really thought I was doing right by them by leaving how and when I did. But like, I, I, I was like, if I'm going to fall on my sword, I should just do it quickly so they can move on and they can kind of, and kind of chase the vision that they wanted together, which was not the vision that I wanted for our, our site. I mean, I wanted us to be a kind of a ragtag, kind of like what I do now, you know, but I just felt like I was, I wanted to do right by them at the very least so that they can move on unencumbered from me. And, yeah. uh, I didn't expect that that it was going to blow up the way it did. I knew that the joke blew up, but I thought that by my by me leaving, everything would kind of calm down. I didn't expect that it was going to injure so seriously that brand's traffic and that brand's Patreon support and stuff like that. And I didn't mean to do that to them, you know. And they didn't. Um, to and, be fair, honestly, to be fair, you didn't do it to them. Is quite the opposite from my perspective as a as a viewer. Like yeah, I, I loyalty is so important to me. I felt betrayed. As a viewer, like, I loved Kind of Funny, man. Fucking loved it. I was watched every week. I felt betrayed by the whole thing. I felt like everything I heard from all of those guys other than you was a lie. That's how I felt. Like, I was, I'm passionate about it, but even though I don't know those guys, but that's just how I felt watching it. Yeah, mm. I, I think, you know, I think it, it's tough, man, right? Like, it's... I had unique... I knew, you know, I knew Nick uh, for a long time, you know, and I knew Greg for a long time and, and Kevin and, and Tim were kind of newer characters in my life, but I had different interactions and different relationships and different tenors of relationships, um, with these different people. And when you have that amalgamation, it's, it's hard to go into business with your friends like the, that. There are certain pieces of conventional wisdom that are just true. And, and, and for a reason, and that's one of them is just that it was it, it was hard and it started to blur the lines between personal relationships and business and i think that i thought that my personal relationship with greg specifically was way more was way stronger than it was at that point you know like i even though we needed space from each other and we were not getting along the way we used to get along that happens when you're just together constantly and kind of at odds about the direction of the business but when push came to shove you know um, i really i had assumed it would have gone differently just for greg and i i don't i'm not I don't mean to be mean, but I don't really care about anything else. You know, like it's it, like at the end of the day, it's like it doesn't it didn't really matter. Like when people were reaching, you know, wondering like, oh, Colin tried to be on the show and Colin reached out to Greg to be on the show. And it's like, no, I didn't. Like, that's not true. You know, I reached out to him because I was like, you know, I'm thinking about you and I, I wonder if we can repair our our, our, our our rift with each other. I don't give a shit about anything else. You know, I don't want to be on kind of funny. I don't want to. I don't. I like the other guys, but like, I don't need to. We don't need to be friendly or on board with each other. Like, I was really worried about that. And, um, because that meant something to me, like it meant a great deal to me. And, and, uh, regardless of the business, regardless of where we went, if we, if we went in our different directions, I said for a long time that, I, and they knew that I was going to be the first one to leave, you know, I just don't think we, ex- we expected it to go down that way. And I do really feel bad that it caused a rift in their, in their, in their community because I was actually really 
my intent was to do the was to try to do the exact opposite as opposed to staying around and fighting the good fight basically in front of the camera and being like we're gonna just have this out here you know um and it, it didn't quite work out that way and i appreciate that you guys and others don't think you know think that it's different and think that maybe it's it's not my fault or completely my fault or whatever but i i do feel um sad about that and i and i and i it's like i told polygon like i truly believe that they will recover to and beyond where we what we used to do in terms of traffic and all those kinds of things i just think people um, are being a little hard on the situation too you know um but i just didn't think i i was kind of made to feel that i wasn't that important and so i i believed it you know mm. and i don't mean to, i don't mean to be dramatic but i did i believed it like I was like I, I'm clearly not that important to this operation, so, um, so it's, it's you know you know anyway. Your your link to those guys I think is what made it so different to anything else in gaming because there was someone like you there as well, and it's not to like I'm not trying to like blow smoke or anything. I'm just saying like when it came to let's say, um, when you said something is like an awesome game, whatever, I'm like, I'm going to listen because you don't just say that about anything. I'll, I'll go back to one of your last kind of funny bits was you and Greg talking about Horizon Zero Dawn. I wasn't sure if oh, I was going to yeah. buy Horizon Zero Dawn. And then I listened to the two of you talk about it. And, you know, Greg's a passionate guy and, would, you know, is, is very, you know, in the sense he would be very positive with almost everything. But you were like, no, I totally agree with all this sort of stuff. And, you know, going on about it, I was like, holy shit, I need to buy this game now. And then I straight on it. I'm like, thank you for that because it's one of the best games I've ever played sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Like, I, 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 I'm tr I try to be honest. Um, and I think I, I think we talked about it on the first episode of Sacred Symbols, but um, you know, Chris, when I uh, when I pitched him the show, he was like, you know, I just want to make sure I can say what I want to say, uh, regardless. And I'm like, of course, of mm. course, you know, like yeah, we can yeah. we can literally shit on everything if that's how we really feel. We just have to be honest. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that the other guys weren't being honest. I'm just not as enthusiastic about a lot of things that other people are, and that's just who I am. So I think that that did I think that did grab you know draw people to towards me but the the fact of the matter is guys is like i i you know i loved that brand i founded it and i think that like my dna is on that brand and um i was one of the really two major people that brought people in the be in the beginning to kind of you know seed it as it were and i'm proud of that and i want them to succeed and i wish them without reservation i wish them the very best you know it's just it just wasn't my um it just wasn't it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And it, you know, it, it, I, I, I reached that point since like when I started doing politics and that started making me miserable, I'm like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be either. But at least, you know, you know, like yeah. the biggest mistake, the biggest mistake could have been for me to stay at IGN because then I would yeah. always have wondered, you know, I would have, they offered me a lot to stay. I, I would have been very comfortable there, you know, and probably still been there today, but we turned down those offers to leave. And that was the great choice because then it allowed me to explore all these different things. And here we are today. You know, for better or for worse, learning as we go. And, you know, it's it's very sad. But at the end of the day, like, you know, um, I'll always feel sad that Greg and I went down the way we, you know, did. And, um, you know, it's funny because when I when Polygon interviewed me, they, they sent me some questions. And a lot of the questions were about, like, the beginning, like, how we found each other and then the end. Right? So, like, mm -hmm. kind of like when we didn't know each other and then just a lot of negative shit. And I was talking to Aaron about it and I was reading, like, my responses. And I'm like, you know, like... These are honest responses, but it sounds so negative. And I emailed the guy back and I was like, you know, there's more to the story than this. Like there's a lot of like really great shit and triumphs and good times in there. And I'm really I'm really afraid that our story is just going to be reduced to this. Mm. And so if you have any questions about the substance of our relationship and the 
the you know the podcast we built together and how we dominated together for all those years and stuff and what it was like living together and being around each other all the time i'm happy to relay some positive stories to you and they weren't interested you know Mm -hmm. because that that doesn't sell and i'm afraid that that's always going to be the leg our legacy but i don't want it to be that way you know do do you think that do you think that one day you guys when enough time passes you'll be able to repair it i don't think there's ever going to be a reparation but um you know repairing is like one thing but like first of all the ball is totally in his court i'm not reaching out ever again you know like I, I I did that, and that's that. I'm not mad that he didn't want to talk to me. That's totally his prerogative. I totally understand his his point of view, but knowing that he had cancer and knowing I you know that I've been ill too, and and things happen, I was like I can't possibly live with the fact that like what if what if I sign on Twitter one day and I find out that Greg died in a car accident? I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be dark, but like what if you find that out? And then you never you never tried. You have to live with that for the rest of your life. That you never at least tried, you know. And so once I, once I did that, I, um, I felt like a big burden off my shoulders, but it didn't really remove the sadness. You know, those are two different things. And, and, um, so I, 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 you know, I can't possibly be the one that like reaches the handout anymore, but I also feel like, um, it's a situation where, you know, you have to try to do the right thing by the people that you really know. And we know each other in a very deep way. And, and there's, there's no saying what the future can hold, but it's ultimately going to be up to him to kind of catalyze that, not me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, that was, uh, okay. that got very intense. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I, love it. No, I, <laughs> I, uh, pre- I appreciate, yeah, you know, everything you're saying, man, like opening up, yeah. um, means a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I don't get to. Talk, I don't really talk to anyone about this. My girlfriend actually just walked in. She's like, "You're getting deep," um, <laughs> and uh, and it's like it's it, it is deep. It's it's. Uh, I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm not saying anything that you know is is divisive. I'm just being honest. Like it's it's a, it's a sad situation, you know. And um, you know, I just don't want to be responsible for. I didn't want to be responsible for just like. I couldn't live with that regret, and now mm. I don't have to. Like it's not the ball's not in my court anymore. I tried to do the right thing, and yeah. maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. I don't know, but but I certainly I certainly um, you know, I'm certainly happy with where I am professionally and and all those kinds of things. But you you're always gonna have pains about what happened in the past, and um, you, you're always gonna wonder if things could have gone differently. But they but they you know they didn't, and yeah. all I can do now is try to do the very best I can and try and endeavor and um, leave it all on the field and 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 let the and and we'll see what everyone thinks of it you know <laughs> that's all i can do but i'm yeah. sorry that it but i am very sorry that that our our schism has hurt a lot of people you know and i don't mean that from a traffic or monetary standpoint i mean that from like people really people it really took people for a loop like we were with each other with with each other and, and in people's lives for like better part of a, of a decade and um i understand why that's difficult for people to let go of and I, and I do apologize about that i'm sorry about that you know yeah, I mean, I don't think you've got... Uh, like, I understand, like, uh, you know, if you're in the situation, but I don't think you've got anything to be sorry for. Like, these things happen in life, and... I mean, you can't put... I guess you can't put all everyone's emotions on yourself too much, because that can be a big burden to to sort of bear. Mm. Yeah, it is, but I, I'm a very emotional person. I've always worn my heart on my sleeve, and... Um, you know, I... I uh, I just like I said, like I'm 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 not worried about it, but I'm interested in just the legacy. I hope that when time passes, that people will realize that most of our relationship and friendship was a very positive thing, you know, and really quite important to both of us. 
And I yeah. feel like that's that's yeah. that's lost. And I understand why that's lost, but I hope that with time people will realize that it wasn't quite as it wasn't it, that last chapter does not define the journey. It doesn't. You know? Like it, it just it doesn't. And I was disappointed that Polygon didn't really want to hear more from me about the all the positive things, but you know, that is what it is. I can't do anything about that. You you mentioned during this last portion where you talked about the getting into politics and history with with CLS, and that you weren't happy with that. Like I, I'm curious about what what went on there from that change from when you went to kind of funny you started CLS getting into history and politics and now you're back with gaming. You've got all these amazing podcasts you're doing, like Knockback and Farside Chats and sacred symbols and everything as well as of course your side quest and everything like what was that step like and what's what do you think's next for you especially with you talking about you liked um the kind of funny sense is like this ragtag lower budget sort of you know thing and doing that with cls now yeah i don't know i don't know what what the future holds like it's you know i have i have some interesting opportunities that have been thrown at me that i've you know that i'm maybe interested in pursuing like writing a game or writing a book or something like that. But I, I think that CLS as it, as it stands is pretty much what it's going to be for a while. I, I still love politics and history, but I found that in this, in this, like we were saying earlier, in this very divisive climate that we're in, you can't listen. Like, who am I to say that I'm telling it like it is? Some people can think I'm a, I'm a complete moron, you know, like, I don't know, but I feel like you can't, you can't pick and choose um, in this climate to be, just consistent like you guys were mentioning earlier consistency is really important like you have to choose a side and i'm not interested in choosing a side and i found that i was just getting it from everyone and i'm like i can't live like this we were talking about like kind of mental health and all those kinds of things and people think like oh you did it because your you know cls was failing and all that kind of stuff and i'm like not really guys like like i cls is, was making way more money than i was making it kind of funny when this when i made this transition it was it's not that at all really it's 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 actually it actually hurt me with a lot of people. I lost a lot of patrons when I when I transitioned. The people that wanted me to hear that kind of stuff. So it's actually quite the opposite. Um, it was just not making me happy. And I also felt like I kind of let them win. And by them, I mean like the people that tried to drive me out. Like I didn't think about what happened to me for a few months, like what what I went through because I just didn't have the bandwidth to do it. I didn't have the time. I had to keep moving and I had to get the content out. But when I really had those quiet moments to think about it, I realized that I was. You know, I let them win, and I and I, I love this thing. I let the, I let them ruin this thing for me, and I felt like my voice was missing, and the people wanted it back, and so I brought it back. And 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 now with CLS, we have the best of all worlds. Like there is politics. Fireside Chats is an incredibly political show, usually, um, and but we're able to do all these other things too. And like I said earlier, I have an audience that is willing to kind of come along for the ride, and I'm so honored by that. You know, like that they let me kind of make mistakes and try new things and see what sticks and see what see what works and. And so I don't, I don't know, like I, I, I've had some interesting conversations in recent weeks with people about, you know, growing CLS or making it bigger. And, and, um, I don't know, I, I, I have this, honestly, like I can't get away from this idea of doing like a really large podcast network. Like what if, um, like what if CLS was like right now it's four shows, but what if it was like 10 and, but you still got in for like the same amount of money. You got early access to everything for the same amount of money. Like nothing changes. It's just like more value. And, um, and it's different voices, not mine, you know, like that's kind of the, the thing that I'm playing around with and I've been talking to people about, but I don't know if that's going to go anywhere. Yeah. Wow. Well, so what, what would that, how would you manage to do 10 podcasts? Would you get other people involved sort of thing? Yeah. I think that's the idea. Like that I would like to, the idea would be that I would acquire podcasts, you know, like that already exists or start up new ones. Like what if there was a sports podcast and what if, 
Like, what if you had a network of podcasts, like, where you subscribed on Patreon for $5 a month for no ads, early access, but you had, like, a smorgasbord to choose from every week as opposed to just, like, the... Well, you have a, a lot to choose from now, but, like, you had a... If you were a sports fan, you had a sports podcast. You had a political podcast. Maybe one from the right perspective. Maybe one from the left perspective. Maybe you had a movie podcast and all of these kinds of things. And then you could just come in and pick and choose what you want, you know? And it's kind of like a high tide raises all boats situation where, like, the monetary situation doesn't change. You're just bringing in way more people, and that's how you pay for it, you know? So that's kind of that's kind of what I'm playing around with. It's not necessarily a novel idea, but um, but I don't know. That's a lot to think about. I already work enough, so I need to figure it out. And honestly, doing something like that would need an investor, and I'm not entirely sure... People have offered to invest in Collins Last Stand already. I just I'm in the black. I don't really want investment, but that would probably require me to give up a piece of my company, and uh, I don't know that I really want to do that. So it's 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 a lot to think about. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's it'd be good to be the sole sole owner sort of thing. Especially, it's a lot less sort of. I mean, it's it's it can be challenging dealing with other people and stuff like that. I guess so. Yeah, that makes definitely. Sense. Definitely. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess wanted to. I guess jump into some gaming stuff and because with our community we have a lot of like assassin's creed fans that's how we started out before we both of our channels we expand into different games i'd people will have to want to know this and i i already know you know mostly i think what you're going to say but what are your thoughts on assassin's creed and ubisoft as a company sort of thing i'd like to hear your perspective on it uh i I think ubisoft's a great pretty great company i think that they're they're they they release a lot of similar games like the ubisoft uh, open world kind of prototype game is a thing for a reason like the you know the checking of the boxes and stuff i'm not a huge assassin's creed fan at all i don't really like the series but i also realized that i haven't played one since three and i know that the series has changed a great deal and i've been encouraged starting i think with syndicate that the series has from my my complaints about it has gotten much stronger so um so you know i have no problem with it i i think it's popular for a reason i think that ubisoft's kind of shameless with it but as long as people mm-hmm. keep buying it, it's like what Todd Howard said about Skyrim Remastered the other week, where he's like, "If we'll stop releasing it when you guys stop buying it," um, and you can't really blame a <laughs> you can't really blame a business for um, yeah. for you know kind of running something under the ground if they're making money on it. So I I enjoy uh, Ubisoft as a company. I, I'm a huge Far Cry fan uh, specifically, so that's that's a you know, and I love the division. So yeah, I, I think that they're one of the public. I, I think they're a, 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 an immensely likable publisher personally, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, well, mm. I, with the with Assassin's Creed, I think maybe Syndicate's not the right one, but I think if you like, you know, open RPGs, Origins is is f- for the most part probably the best one they've done since like the Ezio trilogy. I think. Uh, like back- yeah, I've I've heard I've just heard that it's 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 exponentially increasing quality. You know, uh, from a gameplay perspective specifically. Oh yeah, so, the, the story's an absolute mess. It's yeah, the lore is just atrocious now. Like everything's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking exhausted with it, man. I, I, I'm just listening to you talk about Assassin's Creed. I can't, I can't do it anymore. But you know, <laughs> James has gotten tired tired of it. He's oh, just like, yeah. Well, well, when when the when we've got about sixteen writers on, on a brand that don't even talk to each other, it seems like yeah, law gets messed. But yeah, as a gameplay perspective, you're right. Like, it's certainly gone better in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, I, I'm. I, it's on my. I, I wrote down. I actually have it here, on a pad. I wrote down like a. It's probably like twenty games that I want to go back and play that I missed. And where is it? Yeah, Assassin's Creed Origins is on there, and then Syndicate. So I got yeah I got to uh, 
it's on there. Who the hell knows? There are other games I want to play right now, but um, yeah. but I'm totally open to it. You know, I'm, I'm open to it. I think thing, I think things change, and and I'm open to that change. I think I think it would be pretty shitty of me actually to um, just rail against the franchise about how bad I think the gameplay is for years, and then they fix it, and then I'm like, eh. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of, it's it's a little it's a little disingenuous. So yeah, I should I really should jump in. What about James? You'll love this. Okay. Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom oh, Hearts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's not for me. I, oh, I, I don't. No. Have you played oh, no. it? Though? Have you tried it? Have you played it ever? No, no, no. I've never, I've never played it. Mm. I have zero interest in uh, a Square then, uh... Enix fusion of weird Square Enix shit in Disney. It just doesn't oh. appeal to me. Hey, but look, I, hey, look, I... hey, look. I thought the exact same. I thought the exact same. And then Tyler brought it up, and I was like, "That sounds, that sounds dumb, man. You need to stop." Uh, but eventually, he broke me, and I tried it. And I, I, I can't explain how fucking good it is, man. Like, if I, I you've got to try it. You really do. Well, yeah, I, I've heard. I'll tell you right now, like that, that couldn't be any lower on my list. But it's, oh, it's, uh, God. it's so but it's. There's just way too many other things to. There's just way too many other games that I've not played. Like, like what's if even I... on my list here? I don't know. I'm reading it now. Like, I don't know. I like I, I never played Danganronpa three. I never played any of the Evil Within games. Um. It's you know, Undertale. How dare you? This is <laughs> this just I can't stand for this. This is ridiculous. I'm telling. I spent like thirty minutes, like this probably three years ago, to James, got on a rant. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, you've got to play Kingdom Hearts. You've got to play Kingdom Hearts. You got to play it. He played it, and it's his favorite franchise now. It's so weird because I, I, because I've, I've never, I've never liked. I like, I looked at. I'm like, oh, it's anime. You know, is combined with Disney, Final Fantasy. Never been into any of it to be. I mean, I, I'm, I like Disney, like sure, but like anime. I, I was never a huge anime fan, and Final Fantasy. I'd never played any of the Final Fantasy games, and it all just looked like, I don't know, JRPGs. I'm, I don't like JRPGs either. Um, and I played it, and I don't know, something clicked, and I just, I fell in love with it. So. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's worth going to, even if you think you know this looks completely opposite of something I might enjoy. I don't know. You might. Well, find, I'll, I'll make I'll make it. note, but I'm not making any promises either. I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't make it. That's promise. fair. That's all. That's all we can ask. Yeah, for. yeah. That's all yeah. we can ask for. Because I, I just, I just know. I just know. I've never talked to anyone that's like given it a chance and then gone. Oh no, nah, it just wasn't for me. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's just it's something anyway i won't i won't bang on about it too long what it, what games are you most excited about coming up though at least for the rest of 2018 uh i think Mega Man 11 is obviously the big one for me october 2nd but um there are really actually it's funny because in terms of the triple a game like triple a sphere there are really only seven games that i even care about for the rest of the year i wrote them down uh mm-hmm. dragon quest 11 spider-man valkyria chronicles 4 Mega Man 11 i have assassin's creed odyssey on here uh, Red Dead Redemption Ooh. 2 and Fallout 76, and that's basically it. And then there are a bunch of like small games. Um, uh, you know, Chasm comes out on Tuesday, which is, looks great. Um, you know, there's a, so I'll be busy. And I think that in terms of like you know, the kind of the late games here, like Red Dead and Fallout, those are those are big you know 100 hour games. So I'll, I'll be plenty busy playing those. So so not there's not too much. Uh, you know, it, from by volume, it's kind of nice actually. By volume, there's not that much for me to look forward to. Which it feels manageable, you know. Sure. Yeah. I feel like I haven't been playing any, like anything lately. Yeah, I agree. And we said this last podcast. There's not there's nothing going on. Yeah. Like I, I still want to play that Jurassic Park game, but oh, that's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a bit of a laugh, but yeah. Other than that, like after God of War, I was just like, I just don't know if I need any games ever again. Oh, that's just kind of great. Have you not played Detroit yet? 
No, no, I haven't, haven't. played Detroit yet. That's very good. What's what is it better than God of War? Like what? I suppose it depends who you ask. Colin, what do you think? I mean, I think I already know. What yeah, you I think, think I, I I think the Detroit's my game of the year so far. But I think I yeah, think yeah, most yeah, people. I think most people, you know, people get mad about that. I'm like, they're totally, God of War and Detroit are totally different. I think God of War really hurts itself in the end game. I think the longer you play it, the worse it gets. Um, but I, you, in my opinion, did you platinum but, it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So did you not enjoy? Like I platinumed it too. I love doing like the maybe. I mean, it was a bit. I guess I'm I'm a kind of OCD when it comes to like games like that whereas i kind of enjoy that i can just put a podcast on and spend my time in uh, nuspelheim going through the gas world trying to get dumb echo like whatever they're called echo gems or whatever like i, I just echoes, loved it but yeah sure echoes oh yeah missed echoes ah yeah that's the one. yeah missed echoes yeah right i never did that yeah no i i i i was really shocked my my major uh my major kind of um critique of the game is that i'm shocked by how bad the little thing or uh, like how bad the really easy stuff is in the game and how great all the really hard stuff was like they really nail all the things that are difficult but then when it comes to like the last one percent of game development like the the ui the maps the the, the uh, quick travel system like this shit sucks like i, I was <laughs> like I, i'm like i don't i like the map specifically the in-game map the way you track quests and stuff it's bad like it's bad and i, yeah. I, I don't yeah, and true, it really yeah. doesn't come out it doesn't come out until the end like it, you don't really notice it until you're trying to do everything and then you realize like nothing's being tracked properly there's like no the quick travel system is obtuse and weird like it, like so i'm not saying it's bad i think it's a great game i think it's a total triumph for Sa sony santa monica but that really turned me off from like thinking that it was like the be all end all i think detroit was a, an incredibly solid incredibly riveting well-made game and um you know i you know, I, I, I really endorse it, like, wholeheartedly. I think I was I was totally blown away, actually, by it. I, I didn't expect... I certainly didn't go in with any expectations, considering Beyond Two Souls was, was pretty disappointing. So mm -hmm. I, I was uh, I was quite quite enamored with Detroit, and I think it was great. My girlfriend, um, who doesn't play many games, played it herself, too. She loved it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I played it with my girlfriend, like, a couple of weeks ago, and she loved it as well. I, it was one of those games, I went into it, sort of, like you, like you said, not not really thinking anything like i'd never played heavy rain although i knew a lot of people you know liked it and i'd never played um uh beyond two souls um and i heard a lot of people didn't like it but um i sort of went into it like yeah i guess this will be a good time like it's a playstation exclusive and you know in recent years playstation exclusives have been absolutely killing it so i was like well i know it's gonna be it should be good like it should be um and i went into it and when I, I remember finishing it and i remember with the credits i was just like that was fucking like an experience like that was a really really good time i was really happy with the ending i got as well um and i remember just watching the credits listening to the music and being sort of reflecting on it and being like that was actually really 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 good um yeah yeah i was really pleased with detroit yeah it's it's a it's a i think it's, i really highly recommend it and mm. you guys asked me to give you like a 10 or 15 minute warning so i'm giving you guys that now because oh yes right, yeah for sure for sure. The, well, I guess the, before we get into Patreon questions, like I did have one one quick topic I wanted to touch on, which was just single player games in general, like in their future, um, in terms of like when you've got something like a Horizon Zero Dawn, a God of War, these exclusives. My opinion of it is we're going to get these games less and less uh, in the sense of traditional single player games. There's no sort of interconnection with uh, online stores and microtransactions and these sorts of things. Like that's always we're going to be seeing that more and more in third-party games 
like Assassin's Creed, like Far Cry and stuff. But if you want the traditional, just this is the game, single player, there's no secret multiplayer or pay structure sort of inside it. That's going to only really be from like first party games. Am I wrong on that? Um, you're probably not. I, I don't like when you really do think about Bethesda is probably the only other company that would really endeavor to do what you're talking about other than Sony. Cause I don't think it's even first like Nintendo does it by necessity and they don't really frankly don't count in this, in this, you know, we were, Chris and I were talking about it on sacred symbols where I'm like, man, like when the new consoles are shown, you're going to see how bad switch is going to look by comparison. And I, I like switch, but what Nintendo is doing is kind of on their own Island. So I'm not really talking about them in this particular conversation, but you know, I'm riveted by the idea of a single player game that's supported like it's a multiplayer game. And I don't think it's something that is explored much. Like Fallout 76 is a great example. They say the map's four times bigger than the Boston map in um in Fallout 4. And you can play online and multiplayer. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not offended by that like some people are. I think that's great, but is it possible to have like a single player game that is not only fed a few DLC packs like single player games are, but something that's supported actually for a long period of time that doesn't necessarily require another player? So, like, think about, like, Destiny, mm. but much more playable by yourself. Like, is there money to be made there? Because there is certainly money to be made on single-player experiences or you wouldn't be getting them anymore. So I think now we're going to see in the next few years um, more of a quest to try to make these even stickier beyond the DLC offerings, right? Like, like Fallout 4, you know, got its one major offering with, uh, with Point... Well, not Point Lookout, that was Fallout 3, with Far Harbor. Um and I'm like, well, what's stopping them from just endlessly supporting this game? You know, keeping people engaged in it and, in, and enamored with it. And I, I like that idea. Like, learn from the multiplayer, um, from the multiplayer sphere to make the single player sphere much stronger. Um, so I, 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 I do not fear for the single player experience in the single player game. I think it's it's alive and well. And I think yeah. there's a lot of evi- mm. there's a lot of evidence for that. And God bless Sony because they're the ones that are really doing it um, more than anyone. And I think that's yeah. awesome. Agreed. Hopefully, Xbox can come back. I used to be an Xbox fanboy. I didn't even. I never even yeah. bought a PS3. And then when you know, after the next gen, like I, I had to get an Xbox again because I love Halo. But I got a PS4 as well. And then I played all the Uncharted because I never played and played The Last of Us, everything like that. And I'm like, wow, Sony's yeah, by far the the best game like game uh, publisher that's out there right now. So, I'm but I'm hoping for Xbox come back. Ho- hoping for a new Fable. Hoping Halo Infinite's not terrible, you know. It's just mm. it can be sad. Yeah, yeah be I, sad. I think it's it's amazing, dude. Like, I think The Last of Us Two will have a multiplayer component, but other and Dreams has an inherent multiplayer component, I guess. But mm. it's really interesting to think about, like, you know, God, like Horizon, God of War, Detroit, Spider Man, Days Gone, The Last of Us, you know, inherently, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. These are all single player games. It's really an amazing, an amazing gambit that they took and it worked mm. um but i also realized that it left a major gap in their catalog for multiplayer games and that's a problem so they need to they need to balance it that the ironic thing is that they don't really have a studio internally that can make the game that they need to make for that and for that they're going to need to contract a studio to do it um and uh i would expect that that would probably happen eventually you know for there to be like a battle royale game or an online persistent shooter or something destiny like that is only on playstation i think would be a big win for them and mm. and make their catalog that's a little true. more robust you know I, I i fully i fully anticipate that that's going to be an like a an initiative in addition to this solid studio structure that they have that makes single player games 
Um, and actually, with Gorilla scaling from 250 to 400 employees, um, I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to release a Killzone game. And uh, I wonder how multiplayer-centric that will be. We'll see. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, James, now do you want to... We'll jump into Patreon questions yeah. to, to finish off. we got a few... If- few good ones a couple of ones that people didn't understand the the point of it because we do an exclusive like we do a second podcast that's only on patreon and like it's run by like we'll post a topic thread and it'll be like everyone just post the topics and that's what we talk about and someone thought that's what that was so that was not not the point of it but yeah we've got a we've got a few great questions here james you want to you want to get that up yeah i've got it up it's right here you want to just start at the top yeah start yeah start just start at the top all right, first one is from Mark. Um, we say that because it's Mark and he's got a question mark. So, like, yeah. Uh, okay. uh, so, anyways, he said, Hey, Colin, a uh, long-time fan. I was wondering how work life compares from IGN to Kind of Funny to CLS. In what uh, uh, in what ways, I guess you're saying, are they similar slash different? Do you miss any aspects of your old workplaces? Oh, yeah, I miss lots of aspects of my old workplaces, mostly because I didn't have to do everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, like... Working at IGN was a very structured thing. I was a workaholic there, but I there were I, I had a very limited purview of like what I had to do and like how I did it, and that's why we were so good at it. That's what I was saying before about the, like when Polygon interviewed me, where I was like, I'd love to tell you guys these stories because we really were like a well-oiled machine, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, so there I didn't have to worry about like, you know, my healthcare, and I didn't have to worry about you know uh, ads being sold, and it, it was just literally just editorial, you know, and, uh, so working at IGN was a great blessing. It was one of the great, it was the great time of my life really. And I'm, I'm super thankful and grateful for that. I, I miss it all the time. I would never want to go back, but I, I, you know, I think other people understand what I mean by that. You yeah. Know, it's, it's kind of like a different chapter in my life, but I miss it all the time. It was, what a wonderful way to spend one's twenties. Yeah. Um, mm. and then, uh, kind of funny. I miss kind of funny all the time. I, I, you know, I think sometimes about, uh, how funny, a lot of it was when when the going was good, you know, and how silly it was, and how um, how much control I had in the beginning over like our trajectory and and the shows we did. Like the the reason that there's a morning show is because of me. The reason that there's a topical podcast is because of me. And and I I I'm so proud that those ideas stuck and work and worked to this day. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a cool little legacy there. Like I didn't invent podcast beyond, but I didn't invent the great game over Greggy show. I didn't invent IGN PlayStation, but I didn't invent the morning show, you know? And so there's yeah. like a little bit more of an ownership there that I think is really cool to like reflect and look back upon. Um, and uh, it's almost like, you know, uh, what Steve Allen and Jack Parr and all those guys that used to do the, the late shows in the, in, the, in the United States in the 50s and 60s. No one, no one talks about them anymore. They talk about Carson and they talk about Leno and all those guys, but it started with them. And I kind of mm. feel like maybe I, like in a, in a very D-list way on the internet, that's me. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that that's, I think that that's kind of a cool thing. And, yeah. and, um, you know, specifically, I think, you know, it's funny. I think the thing I missed the most is like the back and forth with Kevin. We had a lot of, <laughs> yeah. a lot of, a lot of chuckles. I really, lo- I really love Kevin. I think he's a really, really solid and stand up person, um, who taught me a lot actually. And, uh, so yeah, it, but it's different. Like I work 60 or 70 hours a week now and mm. everything is in, I have to do everything. And after E3, uh, Aaron and I went to Palm Springs, which is a, I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's a really like ritzy part of California where like, like typically like rich people go to like, it sounds nice. And and, uh, we rented a house there for a few days. And those were the first days off I took all year in June and um, like true days off, like nothing to do. 
And it's a really hard, you know, I, I, I told you guys, I wake up with a knot in my stomach every day because there's always something to do, you know, like mm-hmm. right now I'm worried I, I have to, I, you know, businesses typically ta- file tax extensions so that they can get their business in order. But my taxes are now due on the 15th and I've not heard from my accountant yet. So I'm like worried about it. Now I have to worry about that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I, I am selling sponsorships for sacred symbols and I haven't heard back from the people. And I'm not sure like what the wording is for the next episode. I have to worry about that now. Uh, yeah. I my 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 healthcare is you know I pay for my healthcare out of my own pocket I have to I have to worry about that now, um and so all those kinds of things as, as well it's 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 a difficult situation but the other side of the coin is that you have um, agency and control um, over what you're doing and and it can be to your exact specifications so if you work hard enough um, you, you it, it is exactly what you want and you have no one to blame but yourself if it doesn't go well you know and mm-hmm. so it's a totally different experience a totally CLS compared to kind of funny and IGN is just totally different. It's way harder, way harder. And, but I, I, this is the life I asked for and I'm doing the very best I can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, well the next, the next question is from Gene. He said, Hey Colin, loved your history and political videos since last year. And I learned a lot from them. So my question is, what is your number one favorite game of all time? And if you do have one, why is it your favorite? Oh, Mega Man three is my favorite game. And uh, I think a lot of that is nostalgia, but I also just think it's it's a very solid, you know, one of the great platformers of all time, one of the great shooting platformers of all time, 2D. So yeah, it's I, I just I happen to really have an affinity for that series, and um, you know, it, it, nothing will ever surpass like what Mega Man means to me. I don't know if it's based necessarily solely on quality at this point, but it but it certainly is at least partially predicated on that. So yeah, that's my favorite game. All right, cool. All right. Next one is from Casper Carroll. He said, hey, Colin. Um, everyone said, hey, Colin. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, love all the work you do. Lately, I've listened to the Mega Man podcasts and was wondering where would you recommend a newcomer to begin? Inclusion, uh, inclusion the X Games. Thanks and keep on doing you. I think that the X, so the X series is a great, great series too, specifically the first three games and they just released collections for those that you can buy on PS4 and Xbox One now and Switch. Um, I personally think the classic series is easier, and I don't know if that's because I have like a savant-like skill at it or not, but um, it's like one of the few games that... Well, it's not one of the few games I guess I'm good at, but it's one of the one of the few games that I'm like excellent at. So I don't, I don't think that I'm uh, an objective observer on skill level needed to play those games. I just They just are natural to me. But I think that like the beauty of the the new generation of consoles is that there's just a really great way to access both the classic and X series in their entirety by buying the collections. And so the legacy collection, the Mega Man legacy collection on PS4 or switch or Xbox one is a great place to start. And I would think that Mega Man two is probably a great way to jump in. If you don't, if you like Mega Man two, then you're going to like every other Mega Man game. If you don't like Mega Man two, then there's no reason to move forward from there. Awesome. We'll, we'll just do two more. If that's cool, Colin. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this one's from David Bindis. Hey, Colin. Yeah, every, literally everyone says, <laughs> hey, hey, Colin. Colin. Um, hey, Colin. Love your videos and your personality in general. Can I ask what you generally think about the overreaction the UK had when Trump visited? And most importantly, because of the latest James Gunn controversy, which we talked about already, uh, what's your opinion about people using tweets from either the past or present uh, from situations you were in to basically ruin people's career. Furthermore, will okay. Furthermore, will you now listen to Kill Connor Club now that you have been on, or for a dollar join Kill Connor Club now? Well, I think Colin Colin just said he's far too busy to be listening to that. But yeah, um, what what I guess what are your thoughts on the Trump visiting the UK stuff? 
Uh, I, I thought it was a little silly. Like I, I, I guess I live in a country where if, you know if the the head of state of Britain came here, I don't know that anyone and they do. Uh, I you know if Theresa May came here, I don't know that anyone would really care. So it was it was a little like and I have no problem with Theresa May. I'm you know, like I think she's fine, but I'm not like super engaged in British politics. But I thought it was a little silly. Um, I I don't know. I guess this is a weird thing to say, and I know a lot of people won't agree with it, but I just don't really understand how it's your problem. You know, like mm-hmm. it's 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 our problem, and and we have to deal with it. So you know, but I he's no JFK or something like that. I don't expect people are gonna like, um, you know, come out of the streets and celebrate and throw roses at him. But I I thought it was a little extreme, and it kind of feeds the net. Na- like I do think that the left is losing sight of the fact that like these kinds of things just feed the narrative and help Trump. They just help Trump. Trump's. You know, little known fact: Trump's approval ratings are higher than they've ever been right now. So it's like it's it's it not it's not working. Whatever's like whatever's going on is not working. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I thought it was a little weird. I, I don't care. I don't like Donald Trump. If you want to make fun of him or be mean to him, or it doesn't bother me at all. But I, I just wonder, like, what does it? What purpose does it serve? You know, other than to undermine um, the you know the so-called resistance to him to begin with. He feeds off this kind of shit. He loves it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, where are we are? All right, next one we've got is from Oscar, who said, "Hey, Colin, uh, thanks for being one of the most rational minds out there in this time and age. I wanted to ask if you've ever played any of the Metal Gear Solid games, and if so, were you a fan? Personally, it's one of my favorite gaming franchises, as I think Hideo Kojima is one of the best game directors of all time." Yeah, I I, uh, I played Metal Gear Solid one and two, and a little bit of three, a little bit of four, and a little bit of five. Uh, I love Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2. I think they're fantastic games. I remember playing them both for the first time. I was in high school when they both came out. And, you know, Sons of Liberty particularly is, is a really fantastic game. They control like shit. Obviously, they're kind of like gameplay relics. But up through 3, I think 4 and 5 are a little different in that regard. But, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I kind of lost the plot, like, quite literally. I'm just like, I don't really... <laughs> I'm not real. Like I'm not. I actually, with Metal Gear Solid Five, particularly, I played it for like ten hours, and I was like, "This isn't the the intro to it was so cool." I'm like, "This is great." You know, I knew that I knew it wasn't going to stay that way, but like the way it starts and the way it's very linear and mm. story driven and all that, I'm like, "This is awesome." Why didn't you just do this for fifteen more hours? You know, um, as opposed to opening it up into this kind of weird, not Metal Gear game. So it wasn't. I, I have no problem with it. I know that a lot of people love it. It's just not Metal Gear any to me anymore. Uh, but mm. I can also say that I didn't play the games thoroughly when it was still Metal Gear. So yeah, the last Metal Gear game I beat was uh, was Metal Gear Solid Two, and that was I was in twelfth grade, so that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> well, um, that wraps up for Patreon questions, and also I guess we'll we'll start wrapping up this podcast. So Colin, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and joining us, yeah, and definitely. you know. You, you're very generous with your time to come and do that. And even I've talked about this on this show before uh, last year, you helped me and let me interview you for one of my final university assignments. So like, I appreciate that, you know, that you've done that and, and all that sort of stuff for you. It means a lot. Oh, you're very, you're very welcome. I, I, uh, I, my default answer to everything is no all the time. And I've tried to just because I like can't fathom putting more on my plate. And I was even like mm-hmm. that at kind of funny in IGN, but I've been trying to say yes specifically to uh, smaller channels, smaller shows, fan-run shows, like people that are very passionate. I have like very little interest in, and I've said no to many like big interview opportunities because I'm just not interested because I feel like it's very promotional and it's also always the same shit. Um, you know, 
they want to talk about over and over again. It's like no, there's no real depth or nuance to anything. So I'm I'm very happy to do shows like this, and and I'm 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 you know, um, I'm honored that you guys asked me. I, I have no you know, it's it's not a big deal at all. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm happy to do it. Awesome. No, yeah. no, no. It, it's a big deal to us, though. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming well, on. Really, yeah, we really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners do as well. Like people fucking been asking us to try and get one for ages. So I'm sure they'll love it. As and well. we kept and we kept a real secret because we've had we did announce we were supposed to have uh, a guest on uh, the start of the year, like a, a voice actor, and we announced it the week before because we had the date time organized. Then it cancelled. Never happened. So we've just been so, other than Patreon, and even then, I'm like. You know, this is this is happening, but I don't want to like. I'm just so skeptical about announcing guests <laughs> before we record something. So, people, I can't wait to see people's reactions to this because we know we yeah. have so many, so many listeners that love you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll be I'll be happy to promote it too. So uh, send me a link when it goes live, and I'll uh, I'll take it I'll take care of it on my end. Thank you very much, Colin. Yeah, well, yeah, we we'll let you, we'll let you get back to work, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you so so much. thank you guys take care of yourselves all right well thanks everyone so much for listening if you did enjoy and you want more content like this uh podcast every week the kill con club isn't on and exclusive content as well head over to patreon.com forward slash as always and pledge just a dollar or more for exclusive content and all that good stuff and some of the sweet vintage lads we have here already pledging to us are king richard the third bullsack 47 t-man or travis Billy the Team Tonomite Captain Robertson, Josh DeVillier, Damien, Casey Wood, Mario5380, Lumistrad, Josh Jordan, Ollie the Dane, uh, Ben Almodorox, The Humble Worm, Elstico Nightworm, Emil Catborg, Austin, S. Jaws, Gadeus Laser, Privy Mover, Julie, Adam Sundling, HBarts12, Saggy Tits, Jace the Last Medici, The ACMJS, James and Ladd, Yazen, Joe the Sex Smith, Brian Ford, Connor DeRose, Ginger Nut Jarrod, Georgia Long and Fox, Joshua Mora, Gene, Marcus Blackburn, Seth, Oscar, Ravjai, Son of a Bitch, OG Adogo, Brendan, or BQ Overlord, and Pink Flame. 313. Thanks everybody for watching uh, or listening to this podcast and if you want more right now we've just released a new Kill Connor Clubhouse exclusive to patreon.com slash as always and we'll be back next Sunday live on YouTube for Kill Connor Club episode 80 with the four pillars so get excited, look forward to it and we will see you next time. Goodbye. (laughs) Why do you have to say (laughs) goodbye afterwards?